Hey guys, welcome to the Last Minute Podcast by Zain Rafael Mascarenas. And for today's episode, we are going to do a structural analysis of Child's Play by Alice Munro. And now note that I am not going to discuss the same old stuff we discussed in class, such as plot, character, theme, because um, that would be boring and lame. But I will give a short summary to spark your memory. I'll be highlighting small things with respect to structure that I find interesting and which you guys can ask me a question about later, which I will answer. So, now Alice Munro's Child's Play is a prototypical example of a short story based on an extended flashback. Now, the question of memory is at the heart of the narration and all the more so since... (coughs) The protagonist, Marlene and Charlene, have committed an irreversible act. The story is that of a summer vacation that captures the two girls in time and unites them around a horrifying act. The story innocently unravels as we learn about a little girl named Marlene and her life experiences and um, encounters with Verna, which immediately takes the reader in the wrong direction. This rollercoaster of innocence takes us to Marlene and Charlene's um, first encounter, where Marlene and Charlene first meet at a summer camp where they become friends and where Marlene tells Charlene about Verna, a mentally handicapped girl with whom she grew up. Now Marlene thinks that Verna possesses some sort of um, evil energy which frightens her and in addition she triggers feelings of repulsion in Charlene as well. And so far, Munro uses a simple strategy of um, playful narration to cloud the reader's mind and, uh, you know, um, make them believe that all the harassment and um, the mean things said to Verna is just child's play. But, but, but later on, as the story advances, um, the last weekend of the camp arrives where Verna is seen at a summer camp with a group of um, special kids. And between them, Charlene and Marlene heightened the sense of drama and victimization that Marlene spoke of in memory. It becomes the driving force that leads them in their one and only confrontation with Verna to quickly and quietly push her head beneath the water and hold it there. Quote, Charlene and I kept our eyes on each other rather than looking down at what our hands were doing. This could have been an accident, as if we, in trying to get our balance, grabbed onto this nearby large rubbery object, hardly realizing what we were doing. I have thought it all out. I think we would have been forgiven. Young children, terrified. Unquote. Here, Munro makes clever use of words um, to illustrate how cold-blooded the kids really were, as they refer to Verna as an object and even shoo away their horrific deed, um, you know, by um, convincing themselves that it was just an accident. Well, now, uh, upon the discovery of a story in which victimization is the driving force, the reader can only wonder if Truth really motivates the narration. But um, come on, it's not like we felt this for the first time. Well, what I mean is, 
whilst we read the story we find ourselves to be in favor of the two innocent girls but as the story progresses there is a sort of an uneasy feeling like as if we are being deprived of the whole truth uh, which leads us to wonder if the if the truth really motivates the narration well now it rather seems that the conflict between guilt and denial are at stake and that the narrative strategies are based on retention thus creating an uneasy a suspense rather than revelation the structure and narration of the story takes us on a distracting path where air quote um, unnecessary instances of their lives are shown oh well but it's all necessary boy it distracts us from the past get it um, okay so now before the second half of the reader before the second half the reader Uh, does not know of the guilt that binds the two friends through the rest of their lives though they they never see each other after the camp and then suddenly boom we get kicked in the nuts and we have the second half of the flashback the drowning scene which comes at the very end after Marlene receives a cryptic letter from her friend on her deathbed wanting her to seek a catholic priest in her hometown Now we are all baffled by this last request and assume Malin Malin is also until we see her try to fill it and learn the truth Malin says I'm sure we never said anything as banal and insulting or unnecessary as don't tell Well Alice Munro is the master of the short story framed by a flashback and I think that this is a great example Well um that's it for today guys Bye-bye.